Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Hello, everyone. I am so excited to introduce you all to one of my now longest term entrepreneur friends <laughs> because we worked together so long ago. Um, but today we're going to be talking to Abby. She owns Wayfarer Design Agency? Company? Studio? I think it's studio. 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 Oh, I like that. <laughs> So Abby is the founder and creative director at Wayfair, oh, a design studio that helps bring thoughtful, heart-led brands into the world. She works with founders who don't just want to create another pretty product, they want to introduce something new and impactful to their industry. Abby is known for her obsessive attention to detail and ability to weave a story into everything she touches. This is my favorite part about your bio. So originally from the U.S. and West Virginia, Abby has spent most of the past six years living abroad with her husband, Tanner, and furry office assistant, Birdie, who's so cute. And she's taken Wayfair with her all over the world and is always eager for a new adventure, which is such a cool, like, living the digital nomad dream that everybody talks about, but you're actually doing it. So we actually get to talk about how you did that today. But welcome to On the Up and Up! Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. It's so great to catch up with you and see how everything's been going. Um, so we're just going to kind of dive right in because we have a lot to talk about. So you bring such a breadth of experience and knowledge and, of course, our relationship adds a layer of fun to it as well. Um, but I just want to start out by giving you a chance to talk a little bit about what Wayfarer does and how you serve your clients because there's it's pretty multifaceted. Yeah. Yeah. So I am a brand and web designer by trade. So that's our main focus at Wayfair. We build brands by designing, you know, the full brand brand identity, doing logos, color palettes, fonts, all of that stuff that you're probably, you know, used to seeing <laughs> with, you know, branding. Um, but also doing packaging design, you know, really creating like a full um, unboxing experience. We love working with e-commerce or product-based businesses. So that's why we really love to, you know, of course, start with the branding, but really bring it to life and create something that's tangible, you know, whether it's on a shelf or if you're sending it in the mail. Um, and then we also do website design, um, mainly focusing on Shopify. But yeah, we love to work with cool, really thoughtful brands who, like you said with my bio, trying to bring something new to their industry and, you know, create a product that is smarter, better than what's been done before. Those are the people that we get really excited about working with. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I hadn't had too much exposure to really thoughtful design prior to meeting you. I'll be honest, working in corporate, working in HR, we're not the most creative bunch. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we love a Canva day. Um, but I really feel like your way of designing things is so – it's really – goes past the surface of what the product is. And when I see your content, I'm always really like drawn into it. Um, what do you think 
kind of informs that for you? Do you think it's just because I'm sure we have tons of designers that are going to listen to this because a huge chunk of the people we work with are designers since that's basically a a huge industry that never seems to be going away. Um, So what do you think (laughs) has informed your kind of elevation into the way that you present your designs and the way that they come off online and how you've been able to put everything together to be such a powerhouse brand? Mm -hmm. Well, I think... For me personally, <laughs> I, I've i always been a very detail-oriented person, and I find that I feel like it took me a while to realize how this, like, personality trait, like, informed the way that I design, <laughs> but once I realized it, I was like, oh, of course, that's why I do everything this way. <laughs> if I'm, like, for example, if I'm telling a story, I need every single detail to be included and my husband hates it (laughs) because I just like keep rambling and I you know I include every little piece of information that to most people would not be important but to me I'm like that matters that like you have to have the full picture you have to understand like this is this way because of this other thing right and so I feel like that's how I approach design as well if I'm gonna create a brand for a business um I want to know the full story of like what made them start this business in the first place. Why is it important to them? Who's their target customer? And of course, those are general things that any designer is going to include. But I feel like I get very intense (laughs) with knowing all of those little details. And then I push myself to somehow reference, you know, their the way that they were brought up or you know an experience that happened to them that then caused them to come up with this product idea or you know the the overall benefit that it has on someone's life I'm really pushing myself to try and use different design details or you know make certain decisions that are going to help convey that story in a way that's simple (laughs) in the end you know don't want to like make a jumbled chaotic mess um but trying to yeah give that full picture and so yeah I don't know (laughs) that's kind of like my personality but then yeah definitely comes through with how I approach design and making I just want there to be a meaning behind everything and I feel like that's you know especially when you think about like just general design or maybe like you said (laughs) like coming from the corporate world um sometimes design or branding Sometimes it's just done to like follow trends or be pretty, but when it's done really well, there's a purpose behind everything because it's going to communicate a certain message or connect with a certain type of person. And so, yeah, that's what I try to do and what, what every designer should be trying to do. Yeah, I love that. And that kind of maybe accidentally draws into my next question, which is talking about how it's so important for you to create a meaningful heart-led brand identity for your clients. So to me, I'm like, that sounds so nice. But then I'm like, I don't know what that means. You know, like I wouldn't know where to begin. Like it resonates in a way that's like, I want that so much. But it's also like, what? (laughs) Like, how can Mm -hmm. you make something look like that? So maybe it comes back to those details. But what does that mean to you, creating a meaningful heart-led brand identity? Yeah. Yeah. I think that for any business, there are values that are driving what you do. Um, or there's, you know, uh, 
an emotional theme or like benefit that what you do is is providing to your audience and so for me I think that branding can be this really powerful tool to help convey whatever those things are because if if your brand isn't conveying what you stand for who you're helping how you're helping them if it's not conveying those things then it's going to be hard for that person to connect to it and like believe it or really trust in it um and so yeah you think about some of like these great brands that have you know come out especially over the past few years brands that have built like a really quick um very loyal following um that people become so obsessed with uh why is that it's because somehow they have done a really good job of you know, they have the values that they stand for, but you don't have to just like go and read their about page to find out what those are. Somehow their logo, their photography, their packaging is conveying those things to you, um, whether you realize it immediately or not. But like the color choices that they use tell you that they care about sustainability or they care about um, making people feel confident those types of things. There are so many ways that design can communicate those messages. And yeah, I think when your branding is doing that well, when it, when it does come across as heart led, um, then yeah, like I said, it just makes it more believable and almost more trustworthy. And it shows the people that you're trying to target they kind of subconsciously understand, oh, this brand cares about the same things that I care about. And that's what's going to make them feel more eager to buy um, rather than skip on and go to the next the next brand selling something similar, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, at the root of everything, we are, with branding, we want to feel good and we want to feel happy with our brand and how we're portrayed. I just went through a rebrand, so I totally understand and can literally speak to like, I didn't even realize I needed a rebrand until I realized I need a rebrand. And it opened up a level of confidence in the way that I'm showing up and the way that my, I, we had so many inquiries just even in the last couple of weeks since we've been unrolling it. And you just also all the little changes that you have to make, you don't realize how much your brand like seeps into every fabric of your business like I'm like Mm -hmm. constantly finding new things where I'm like that's not even relevant anymore you know like (laughs) that doesn't even look like us that doesn't feel like us even in like our copy and things like that um but one thing that we are it's so easy to start I mean even I have a Shopify shop like it's so easy to kind of like get out there in the e-com side of things and one thing that I know that you talk about is how branding can help you stand out because it is pretty regardless of what anybody's saying out there, it's saturated. Like it's kind of like short barrier to entry to start a business. So how does branding do that? I mean, besides in the obvious ways, like what have you seen that has made the biggest difference for people in regards to their branding and standing out from the crowd? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's like you said, a lot of people are starting businesses right now, <laughs> um, especially mm-hmm. after the pandemic. A lot of people are leaving corporate world, um, pursuing entrepreneurship. And so, yeah, depending on what industry you're in, it can feel like there are new brands popping up every single day. And a lot of marketing 
and stuff is very driven by trends right now also <laughs> there are a lot of things um that are you know very trendy and I think that something that we always push our clients um, for, especially the ones who are in these very saturated markets like skincare, beauty, um, we've worked with quite a few candle brands, which that's definitely like a huge market where you just start to notice that like everything starts to feel the same. There are so many brands out there. Of course, a lot of them are making very similar decisions as far as their branding goes. And sometimes that is something that makes sense because you know like for for skincare if you're or if you're in a in an industry and maybe like you use natural ingredients a lot of those brands are probably going to use similar colors like they're going to use greens (laughs) in their packaging or whatever because it's color psychology that conveys oh this is natural ingredients right but yeah whenever you start to realize that a lot of your competitors are making very similar choices in how they present themselves. That's where, you know, working with a designer like us to help figure out, okay, what are those common themes? How can you purposefully break away from those in order to help yourself better stand out? It can be a really powerful thing to just like go against um, some of those, yeah, common trends that you're seeing within your industry, but you've got to do it in a way that's still thoughtful and like strategic as well that's why you kind of have to mix the the you know going against trends and what everyone else is doing but also still make sure that the choices that you make are aligned with your values and what you want to be known for within the industry so yeah I hope that answers your question (laughs) yeah I mean if anything it opened up the door to even more because I think as a non-designer I'm always like, I'll send our graphic designer, our web designer, Kristen, like random stuff that I'm like inspired by. Like doing a middle of a Mm rebrand while traveling through Europe was probably like maybe not the best idea because it just felt like I was so inspired by so many things. And I may not be super creative, but I'm very picky about aesthetic. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a, and she kind of had to talk me down sometimes. (laughs) I think it's probably because... She said a few things like, yeah, you know, Kira, I think that's a little busy. Like, I don't think you need all of those (laughs) elements, but sure, that could be a nice post, you know, that kind of stuff. Do you ever find yourself in a space to push your clients a little bit in a different direction? Um, And what is that? I know we didn't actually plan for this question or talk about it ahead of time. So if you're like, no, I'm not going to talk about that. That's totally fine. But have you ever had to do that? And like, what do you what do you get out of those conversations with your clients? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I <laughs> we definitely have have to do that sometimes and and it's always similar to kind of what you said because as a business owner, you feel so attached to your business and a lot of the clients that we work with especially, they tend to like maybe they're not, you know, they're not designers, they're not like artists or anything. So they don't feel that creatively skilled but they they have a vision they have like a pretty good eye for design and so it is really hard for them when they have so much stuff that they've gathered as inspiration and they probably have other businesses that like they really look up to and they're like that's you know that's the type of brand that I want to be someday and so it can feel difficult for them to not maybe pull too much inspiration from those people that they've kind of like put on a pedestal of like where they want to be and they think oh I need to do everything similar 
Um, so yeah, we have to, I think as a designer, part of my job is to be kind of like a filter sometimes for my clients of like, they kind of bring me all this inspiration and I'm like, okay, let's filter this out because there are some things here that, yeah, are like the direction we want to go in. But then there's also a lot of other stuff that's just like, this just looks pretty or, you know, you just like like this because somebody else did it, you know, that's someone you're a fan of, but we need to filter out what's really aligned with where you're going and what's not (laughs) right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that something that always really helps our clients um, with that is, you know, whenever they present like ideas to us, we're always going to ask them, okay, What's the purpose behind this? How does it align with your values? How is it going to help convey what you want to be known for? And like what assumptions is your audience going to make based on this type of brand direction? And are those the right assumptions? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I think always pushing our clients to ask themselves, okay, what's the intention behind this? Is it because I just like the way it looks or is it because it's, communicating something that I want to say to people, forcing them to think about that (laughs) um, usually helps. And I feel like it's just something that, you know, as a designer, that's how I'm looking at everything. I'm never just looking at a package and thinking like, oh, that looks pretty. I'm always looking at it and be like, why did they choose that font? Why did they choose that color? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes part of whenever you work with a designer, you're not just hiring them to like create what you've what you have in your head and bringing it to life, Mm -hmm. their job is also to help guide you in the direction that's really going to be best for your business. You know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're hiring them for their opinions (laughs) as an expert in the industry, not just, you know, to execute what you want, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. And I think it comes up a lot too, because For some of us, we don't really know how to work with a designer. Like, I am like, am I supposed... Well, now I've been (laughs) guided into (laughs) knowing, but it's very Mm -hmm. much like a a, a building building trust with a person that you know can, like, truly understand you and understand what we're trying to create and build and, you know, all of that good stuff. And so Mm -hmm. I'm sure it takes a minute for you to kind of get in the groove with certain brands and certain people. What is that process look like if somebody were to work with you and and how does it I don't want you to go all the way into your like guts of it all because yeah but (laughs) I'm assuming there's a layer of relationship between a designer and a brand or a a CEO what does that look like on the product side Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so we always start our process and I think this is like part of that that kind of helps you know build the relationship where they start to trust us <laughs> a bit more. We always start the the process by doing um a like we call it a brand discovery call, but it's where we really dive deep into you know, what's the purpose behind their business? Who are they trying to help? What what is the end goal for them as a business owner? And then really thinking about, yeah, what are the values that drive their business? What's the personality that they want their business to give off? Um you know, what, why would people choose their product over someone else's? And, um, you know, what's the obvious problem that their product is solving? But even bigger than that, what's like the greater impact that solving that problem leaves on someone's life? 
and and then of course looking at competitors and things like that too but we really try to dive deep um and i feel like when i talk with business owners and ask them to like tell me you know why do you create this product and <laughs> like what makes you passionate about what you do they always go into like this really long story and then they always apologize for it afterwards but I'm always like, don't apologize. Like, that's what I want. I want you to just tell me everything. And I feel like that process of diving deeper, not just saying, oh, well, what do you like? What are you looking for? But really diving deep into that stuff and, you know, just listening to them <laughs> um, about why they started their business. I feel like that kind of helps, yeah, build the trust <laughs> that they have in us to like create whatever you know their vision is or come up with ideas that 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 they haven't even thought of yet um but I also feel like as a designer I've learned you know there are a lot of things that I do throughout the process (laughs) that that help the clients trust me a bit more you know always asking them the right questions and really trying to guide them through um the decisions because yeah if you've never worked with a designer before it can be hard to know like how to give feedback um and like what are the things you should be thinking about how to make good decisions um and so yeah there are lots of little things that we do along the way to help our guide our clients through that yeah and i know we have talked about this before and you're probably going to be surprised that i remember this but um I think it was just on one of our calls or something, but I remember you told me that you would go out, you're at like restaurants and stuff like that. And you're with your husband and you like can identify fonts like I, or like it's like a (laughs) game or yeah. Tell that story because I like, I think that was a couple of years. I cannot stop thinking about it. Like I even go to restaurants and I'm like, they're all Helvetica. I don't know. Um, so (laughs) um, can you talk about that a little bit and how do you think it, I mean, obviously the detail orientedness, but also you have so such a depth of experience. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd love to talk about that a little bit because everyone else will think about it for years too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it's just, I mean, the whole reason that I like fell in love with design first is because I couldn't stop changing my MySpace page in middle school. <laughs> I was so obsessed with changing so relatable. mainly the fonts. <laughs> yeah, but I was so obsessed with changing the fonts and stuff on my MySpace page. Like I figured out how to add different fonts and like added some code to like change the spacing of the letters and things like that because I was just like amazed at how even like small changes like that could I could try to make my MySpace page feel more like me and I mean that's kind of where it all started but that's why like I pay attention to those things and yeah if we're out you know I'll notice uh yeah the font on a menu at a restaurant or on a sign and yeah I'll recognize it or if I see something that's like cool and like hand-drawn I'll take a picture of it and stuff like that but yeah it's it's one of those things especially with like street signs or something there's a whole there's actually a whole documentary about Helvetica um we had to watch it in our in our class um in design school but it's it sounds super boring but it was kind of cool just because you don't realize Helvetica is everywhere and I don't you would just have to watch it I feel like I feel like it's gonna be boring if I try to talk about it but it was just crazy because in the in the documentary there's like a guy who's kind of the host and he takes you around the world and there are so many like little fast clips of him just like standing in a different country and he's just pointing at a sign and it's Helvetica and he's doing that like all over the world but it's it's crazy that like at some point 
universally, we decided Helvetica is a great font and it's easy to read for people in every country. So we're going to use that for all like road signage everywhere. And I don't know, it's just it's wild how a font can be that powerful (laughs) that at some point the whole world decided this is the best font that we can use for this type of stuff because it's like if there would be a different font used think about it on like the interstate if they would use a different font on an interstate like a big road sign your brain might think I don't know if I can trust that that doesn't seem like it's you know from the state or some you know what I mean like you'd Mm -hmm. be like that doesn't look like a normal road sign I don't think that's right because we've our brain recognizes that same font every single time and it's trustworthy to us because it's Mm. so consistent so yeah that's something to think about (laughs) next time you're paying attention (laughs) to to road signs or anything like that that's a really good example and you mentioned just briefly in there that it's about something being easy to read which for uh, for the normals, the normies, we're like, oh, that's a nice one or whatever. But it wasn't until this rebrand where I actually like grabbed the font and like went in and started using it and playing with just the simple word of just typing HR. Like that has been such a roadblock for me to like create a graphic here and there because like the font looks weird when you type it in two capital letters mm-hmm. next to each other, you know, like little things like that. So it just it makes a really big difference. And when you work with a designer like you and like Kristen for us, it was very much like go mess around with this and like let us know, let me know, you know, like hey, live with it, live with the choices that you're making and like make sure that it works because otherwise and that's really I'll be honest it's really different from my first experience with a brand designer when they were like how's this and I was like I've never seen something so beautiful because I just started my business and I was like what the heck I have a logo I'm in shock you know and now I look back on it and I'm like oh <laughs> I had no idea but it took me so far so you know I can't be that mad but Speaking of the past, um, I love talking to everyone about their background jobs that they've had experiences they've had as a freelancer before being a full-blown CEO running a business. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about that, about your experience being an employee, and then we'll just kind of like seamlessly dive into what your team looks and feels like now, what your goals are, and what it feels like to be a boss. So let's just start from the beginning. Like, tell us about your first couple of jobs, the things you remember about them, where you were working, and kind of that. Give us your little like resume, but only the fun parts, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, my, my very first job in high school, I worked at a grocery store, Kroger. Do you have Kroger? Uh-huh. We don't, but we sometimes get yeah, stuff at our grocery store that's like Kroger brand. And I think it's like maybe yeah. Vons or something. I don't know which one it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I worked at Kroger um, and that was an interesting experience as far as like the hiring process for it. I literally, <laughs> I went in to interview And I had interviewed at, like, some other places, like Subway or something. And I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get Subway. But Kroger was, like, my last option. (laughs) I went in to interview. And they asked me maybe, like, five questions. I don't even remember. It's, like, was so brief. And then they said, can can you take a drug test right now? And I was like, sure. And so they brought in the drug test. They swabbed my nose or something. And then checked to make sure that I passed and immediately I was hired on the spot. The bar was set very low <laughs> to work at a small town Kroger in West Virginia. <laughs> um, 
And it was funny because it was, I don't know, I just think there were a lot of like high school kids that worked there and some kids would like come and hung over and things. And because I didn't do those things, I like moved up from a cashier to a stocking the like makeup shelves very quickly. <laughs> so that was my first job experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, once I got to college um, and I was in um, school for design, I had an internship for a few years in school and I actually worked um, in a communications office for my university, which I went to a pretty big um, division one university. So yeah, that was like my main um, job before I graduated and I started freelancing right after I graduated, but working in a communications office for a few years, um, it was a really... Yeah, I don't know, big like learning curve, <laughs> I would say, mostly because I, I was an intern, but they did not have a full-time designer. They had two design interns, and we were basically doing the job of like a full-time employee. I don't know, we didn't have like a, a designer supervising us. <laughs> we were just kind of like, yeah. We learned a lot. I learned a lot on that job because I was having to do more than just intern work, basically. Yeah. And so were you just kind of, I mean, it's a big school. It's a big department. Like you and the other designer were kind of just deciding the direct the design direction of all of this stuff. Or was there a lot of weird feedback or how did that go? Um, yeah. So we, so it was like a because it was a big university it was like split into different like colleges within the university so there would be like the engineering school or something so our the one that I worked for was the biggest it had like 30 different degree departments it had all of the like English science um social studies history I don't know political science those types of things it had all of those like general I would say like main departments were within um, the school that I was working for. So we were in charge of doing any kind of like marketing material for those departments, um, updating their websites, uh, any like events that they were having. Um, so yeah, doing a lot of brochures. And it was interesting because we were having to work underneath the parent brand of this big university. Um, so a lot of the stuff, creatively, it wasn't that great because <laughs> everything had to look the same. It had to follow very strict brand guidelines. But yeah, other than that, they did kind of let me and the other intern just kind of like do what we wanted. Like our, our boss was amazing. Um, so she was the head of our office. She was like communications director and she might give us some, you know, direction, but most of the time she would just kind of let us do what we wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that was great. At least that she let us, you know, have some creative control over things. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of working with old professors at the university who would rather create their brochures in PowerPoint or something like they did not want our help sometimes. And that was always very difficult to navigate, especially for me as like a 20 year old. <laughs> you know, why, yeah. why would they want to listen to me? I had one um, professor that it, it wasn't our office. It was like the higher office for like the entire university they had seen that their department was putting out these brochures like or like pamphlets for new students who were coming in that just looked awful 
<laughs> and they weren't using the university they weren't using the university branding at all because he was doing it himself and he was fairly old and so they <laughs> told him you have to let the communications office create a new brochure for you you're not allowed to do this anymore because it doesn't follow our brand guidelines <laughs> and so I had to go and like meet with him and I redesigned their brochure and he looked at it and he told me to my face I was by myself <laughs> in this meeting he told me to my face it belonged in the trash and he threw it in the trash and I left <laughs> Oh my god. That was probably one of my worst experiences <laughs> for that job cuz I just didn't know what to say. I mean, I'm almost a child, like barely an adult. <laughs> yeah. And that's what he said to me, but he was just mad that that the university was forcing him to have help. <laughs> yeah. He thought I know. his his basic, you know, Times New Roman everywhere <laughs> brochure was sufficient. But Yeah. Ugh. Did they end up having to use your brochure? <laughs> yes. I made some changes. I worked with him on it. And in the uh-huh. end, he was like, oh, this looks amazing. This looks so much better than what we had before. But I don't know. He. <laughs> His ego. He was very Big hard ego. to please. Yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't I feel like really after your... that, he liked me. But mm-hmm. our early working relationship was pretty rocky. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine if you're because he was sort of a boss to you. I mean, you're some it's not somebody that you are in charge of, but Mm -hmm. it's collaborative. So that happens a Mm -hmm. lot in the in the creative space. I think like it doesn't necessarily feel as hierarchical as other industries. Does that that feel like it happens all the time with your clients as well? Yeah, I feel like I mean, now, of course, clients are coming to us. For help and therefore you know the relationship's a little bit different they kind of recognize that you know I shouldn't be doing this on my own I need an expert to walk me through it and show me what is like the right option whereas of course with that job he was being forced into it and of course he wasn't <laughs> viewing 20 year old Abby as a you know expert <laughs> in brochures um but yeah they're definitely of course there can still be some of those moments where a client you know is kind of like stuck on what they personally like and where you know the designer or the creative has to kind of choose do we want to try to compromise because I still think that you know my option is better (laughs) um or do you just at some point accept well I'm you know I want the client to be happy, so, you know, I'll do what they're asking. Yeah, it's always a tough spot to be in as a creative. Yeah, I can imagine. I always am so in awe of the creatives because you – and we work with mostly creatives, so it's interesting because they're they're like, no, really, we need the feedback. And I, if somebody gives me feedback on HR, like, I'm like, that's the law. Like, I, I don't accept mm-hmm. your feedback. It's not relevant. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to explain that when, like, we get feedback about, like, policies in the handbook or something. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, but that's what the law is. Like, that's our Federal Labor Standards Act. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I can't change the language if it feels mean. Like, it's just a law, mm-hmm. but with cre- – so to me, I feel like I have, like, almost a – like, a little bit more of a defensive block <laughs> up against feedback from clients at times than I even did previous to having my own business, which is so opposite of 
what I've heard from other designers. Like you've got to like build up some thick skin uh, when working with people yeah. in this way. Yeah. And that was kind of a big like part of the like biggest thing that I learned from that first job because in when you're in school learning design of course we do critiques of each other's work like all the students critique your work um, your professor critiques your work but it's so different (laughs) to have other designers talk about your work versus a client Um, I don't know in our like classroom critiques uh, you never wanted to like offend another student you were always you know you might say oh I think this should be changed or like this could be better but everyone was so nice but working with clients especially that one professor it was like a real shock to me that oh not everyone is gonna say that my work is good (laughs) and that they (laughs) like it um and so yeah I was glad though I was glad that I had that experience as an intern you know, and of course my boss, you know, if something like that happened and I would go to my boss about it and, you know, she would like back me up or help me get through it. But I was really glad that I had had some of those negative client feedback situations before I started freelancing. Cause of course, then when you're freelancing, it's just you, you're the only one who can like defend yourself and talk to the client about it. You don't have another coworker or anyone else to help you out. It's, it was just uh, getting your feet wet when it came to getting your feedback <laughs> yes. in a way that where you had somebody there to be a shield and like pump you up and like pick you up when you're feeling bad. And you know, that kind of a yeah. thing is, and that's kind of our role as leaders too. So this sort of feeds right into where we're going next. So you jumped right into freelancing, which I think is, it's becoming more normal, but I think a lot of people start out working in agencies and things like that. So what start? What drove your decision to, to start with freelancing and not kind of go that traditional agency route? Yeah, well, it, it wasn't really my plan at all. <laughs> I would have much rather went the agency route, at least... <laughs> whenever I was getting ready to graduate, that was what I wanted because I in no way felt prepared to freelance or have my own design business. I assumed that I would go work for, you know, a small studio or agency, um, work my way up for, you know, a few years and then maybe go out on my own. Um, But right before, it was about a month before I was going to graduate from college, my then boyfriend, now husband, got the offer to, he'd played basketball um, all throughout college, and he got an offer to go play abroad overseas um, pretty much right after we graduated. Uh, Literally the day after we graduated was when they wanted him to fly out, and so he asked me to come with him. We planned our wedding in a month, and yeah, we left. uh, I graduated from college, and then the very next day we were on a plane to Australia for him to play on his first team abroad um and so that's kind of what drove me to end up freelancing even after we got there I still thought nope I'm gonna get a job at an agency here in Australia or something you know I'm gonna have a regular job but nobody would really hire me (laughs) once they saw that I was on a tourist visa people just stopped responding um which I was naively surprised by um So yeah, after a few weeks of just like not getting any kind of response from any of the jobs that I had applied for, I realized, okay, I guess I just need to freelance and try to figure this out on my own. And I was very convinced that it was not going to work out, but here I am um, almost seven years later and (laughs) it did work out. It wasn't easy, but um, yeah. And I, looking back, I'm so glad that I was pushed into it because I don't know 
when I would have had the courage to go out on my own um, if I had, you know, gone the agency route. Because, you know, I talked to designers who who have, you know, worked in the corporate world or worked for an agency um, and then trying to transition to freelancing, you know, later on can be really difficult because they are very different worlds um, going from like having project managers and, you know, other people as part of your team and then going to just working one-on-one with clients like it's a big adjustment so yeah I'm glad that I was kind of forced into doing it before I was really before I felt ready um and yeah just kind of having to figure it out as I went yeah and then it sounds like even those stories of the professor that you were dealing with and the boss that you had that was the creative director have really informed your leadership experience. So we always talk a lot. A lot of our clients are going from deciding that I think there's kind of a continuum of, and maybe this is an idea for another podcast episode, but like a freelancer where you're identifying as a freelancer and you're like, oh, I'm figuring it out. I can pay my bills to I'm a business. And there's like a decision that you make. And then when you become a business, you're like, I'm not, I can't be a solo entrepreneur anymore. And then at that point, and that sometimes heavy, hard, and uncomfortable realization, they're like, fine, we'll talk to Kira. But um, <laughs> at that point, for you, you kind of, you went the traditional route. Like it was freelance. And then at some point you decided, I'm a business now, and you became Wayfarer. And then you went into the contractor realm. So let's talk a little bit about that continuum for you and what affected those decisions. And, and then we'll talk a little bit about how you got to your team and what your goals are. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did everything myself for like the first three years, I want to say. Um, and for a long time, I did not feel like I would ever have a team working under me. Like I didn't think I would ever hire just because, especially as a creative, I mean, I, I feel like it can be very easy to, just want full control over the process you know like in school I think about if I would do like group projects I hated group projects because I just didn't like like I had my idea and I wanted to pursue that idea and I didn't want like different styles mixing and and everything you know it was just easier to just do it myself um, especially with creative work so that's kind of where I was for like the first three years of my business I just felt like it's easier for me to do everything myself I figured it all out myself so far why not just keep doing it myself um but yeah at some point I had started you know I had consistent stream of clients I had also kind of started this other side of my business where I do education for designers and yeah I just had a lot on my plate and I realized I can't continue growing <laughs> if I'm doing everything on my own um I only have so much time <laughs> and like energy to do all of these things and so yeah, that's when my perspective started to shift a little bit. And I realized, actually, maybe it would be better if I had someone else to do these tasks that I don't really enjoy <laughs> at all, um, or things that I'm just not that good at. Um, especially, you know, as a creative, a lot of the like business side of things don't come naturally to me. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so yeah, I started to realize, oh, I could just have someone else send that like really stern email to a client and I don't even have to be part of that conversation. That sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when I, about three years in is whenever I started to realize the benefit of having somebody else come in to help me with thing, those types of things. 
Yeah. And then your you were decided to recruit your first contractor who was what position did you decide? How did you go about that process? And you could totally mm-hmm. like drop names here of our mutual people if you want to, um, if they were involved. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a really hard step for a lot of people to take. And sometimes we see a lot like it takes kind of a lot of guts like to go from being established and finding your way and trying different things to like deciding to take on a whole other role in your business. Um, what do you think like pushed you there and how did you how did you get it to that or like what was the process of getting to that next step for bringing someone mm-hmm. into your flow? Yeah. So the very first person that I hired, <laughs> I guess it was contractor position. I actually started working with a junior designer first and for that i actually did every the whole hiring stuff i did all of it myself and Mm -hmm. it was so overwhelming um because i like posted and i just at that point i didn't really know what was going to be the most beneficial for me to hire as far as like what role Mm -hmm. um i just kind of assumed any other designer that i saw who had hired anyone they always hired a junior designer so i thought okay that's what i'm supposed to do hire a junior designer so i like I don't know. I found a, an amazing designer. She worked with me just like project by project basis. Um, and it was great. And we did it for like a year. But at some point, I just kind of realized this that was not actually what I needed to hire out because I loved the design tasks still. I mean, there were a couple things that I, you know, it made sense for me to hand off. But overall, I loved doing design stuff because, of course, that's my passion it was other stuff like the admin side of my business that was actually taking up unnecessary time I didn't enjoy it um, and I I did not need to be involved in it at all Um, so that's when I realized okay never mind I need like a project manager or someone like that should have been what I hired in the first place Um, and so that was the first time that I like had brought someone in to like help me find the right person for that Um, and yeah that one was it was a project manager in a contractor position, um, worked with her for um, about a year. And um, during that time, and then I, at some point during that time was whenever I was like, okay, now it feels better to have a junior designer. Um, but I realized part of the problem, I think, with the junior designer position at first being a contractor role was just realizing that with design, I don't know, clients give feedback and you have to like make quick changes. And so having a designer in a contractor role, I started to feel kind of some limitations with that. If there were like quick changes that I needed them to make before we like sent something off to a client, they're a contractor. So I I can't really be like, always asking them to, you know, dedicate that time (laughs) and like produce things really quickly. Right. So, um, so yeah, then I decided, okay, never mind. Maybe I just need to have a junior designer that's a part-time employee so that it's, you know, easier for us to, I don't know, (laughs) work together and for them to, yeah. And them to like have some more responsibility, um, yeah. Yeah. And I think the I'm junior designer, <laughs> you, yeah, you totally, we, we hear that a lot. And for different businesses, there's different desires. So it's not one, des- like one designer is going to really thrive with having a project manager. Another might 
want to get some of the design off their plate. It depends what kind of business you have. And, you know, we've gotten to learn so much about the inner workings of, of the industry. So it's been cool to see with a designer, like a junior designer, there's an inherent education piece that comes with someone working under you as a junior designer. I mean, it's a junior for a reason. So a lot of times mm-hmm. we see the most successful junior designer roles are the ones where they aren't actually having to go out and get a bunch of other freelance gigs. Like they can focus and learn and develop and grow, but your business should get equal and opposite return when you're making those investments too. You don't have to like gift your knowledge to someone to go use somewhere else, mm-hmm. which I think is a really interesting realization that a lot of people don't have you can create a junior designer role that's fully legal as a contractor, but not all businesses need that. They sometimes need somebody that's more in the guts and in the weeds with them. So now what does your team look like? Yeah. So now I have um, the junior designer who's a part-time employee. And then I also have um, the project manager that had worked with me that was a contractor. Um, They had to go in a different direction um after like a year of working with me so when I rehired for that position I decided to make it a part-time position as well so now I have two part-time employees a junior designer and an operations coordinator we kind of changed the title um of that one to better fit kind of what I needed from that person um but yeah and how's it been going like I mean it's been a while so you've gotten to really sink your teeth into it and how's it been and also where do you see yourself going next as a leader and where do you see your business going next and how does team play into that yeah yeah it's been great I mean I feel like (laughs) hiring has been one of the best but also hardest things that I've done just because it is you you have to step into a different role of like managing people and there's a lot of like stress um that comes along with that of just constantly hoping like oh do they like working for me (laughs) and like am I am I you know giving them all the guidance and stuff that they need um but yeah it's gone really well I feel like it you know it especially with a creative business like this it, it does just take some time I think I've had to be very patient with you know having us figure out what's the best system to have in place for all of us to work together well um and especially with having a junior designer because it is like Wayfair is known for my style and my approach so having to try to you know choose the right designer who I feel is going to be able to you know bring their own talents but also like align with that style that I've already built and you know who thinks the same way that I do so that you know I can feel comfortable like passing things on to her um so yeah it's it's been a process and um and everything but it's I think it's been great and moving forward I don't I don't want to get crazy big or anything just because yeah I feel like for me personally having to think about two other people being part of the business that's enough (laughs) Mm -hmm. for me at least for right now um but in the future I can definitely see like bringing on maybe a web developer or something I know that that's something that I could hire out in the future um but yeah I want to take my time before I bring in another person (laughs) yeah and I think I wanted to highlight that when talking with you because I love how detailed and thoughtful you have been not only in just now hearing your story and some of those little details along the way, 
it really does translate over to how you've decided to build your team. And it's really thoughtful. And I think your team responds really well to that. And it's part of your culture um, to be thoughtful and accountable and all of that good stuff. So even as I wanted to just kind of end on, because we already talked a little bit about your experience with some work stuff, Um, the good people, the bad people, you know, all of that. But there is such a really solid correlation between branding and appealing to a client and also building an employer brand and deciding what kind of culture you want to have on your team. And I remember when we worked together, that was a huge part of what we were doing. And it does, you know, the internal culture does differ a little bit from the way you want your clients to see you just because of the nature of everything. So what have you learned about being an employer and building a brand and building a culture over the last couple of years? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that I have really tried, I, I, I know that whenever I work with clients, like I, of course, I want to be viewed as the expert and want to like guide them through everything. But I'm also always, you know, wanting to hear their feedback, ask, yeah, you know, like we talked about before, as a creative, I need the feedback. I need you to tell me, you know, how this is working for you. Um, and so I've definitely tried to have that with my employees as well, you know, asking them, what do you think? You know, I want them to feel comfortable um, telling me if like a part of our process is or isn't working for them. And, you know, that's, I don't know, especially for the operations coordinator. Like I, I kind of explained, you know, I've had to figure out how to be organized and like set up, you know, this system so that things are very streamlined with our clients, but like, that's not really my strength. So can you just tell me what you think about how I've done things, you know? And I feel like maybe that's a weird place to be put in as like a brand new employee, but I wanted her to right away understand that like I want her input on everything that we do and so I think that's been a big thing is just you know trying to make my employees feel comfortable with giving me feedback at any time and like yeah I, I'm an open book they can ask me anything and they can tell me you know if they think that something needs to be improved um, and yeah I hope that <laughs> I hope that they feel that way <laughs> well they've been with you um, for yeah, a while that's been so a, yeah <laughs> That's a good compliment. Yeah, I think it's it's really it's nice to just ha- I first of all, it's so weird to think like how much time has gone by since, you know, Meg introduced us and everything and how much has changed yeah. in your I mean, I guess maybe not in your business in the, from like the public perspective, but also like the way that you view things and the way that you run things and all of that good stuff. But I think it's time for everybody to know where to find you because we're not only going to have a lot of people that are e-commerce brands that want to have a thoughtful approach to their branding and just trust it makes a huge difference. We're not an e-commerce brand, but I can only imagine like on the product level, it's probably exponential for good branding, Um, but also on your education side. So I call it the desperation minute because I heard it on another podcast where everybody just says where to find them, where to follow them and all of that good stuff. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. um, Yeah. So branding studio side, um, you can find us at wayfarerdesignstudio.com. And Wayfarer, I feel like sometimes we get confused with Wayfair, the Uh (laughs) furniture (laughs) website. So Wayfarer, it's W-A-Y-F-A-R-E-R, designstudio.com. And of course, we're on Instagram as well under that same uh, name. And then if you're a designer, 
um, looking for tips on how to improve your process or anything, um, I have a separate Instagram that you can go to where I share all of my educational stuff. Um, the educational stuff is on the same website, um, but on Instagram, it's by Abby McGrew, and Abby is A-B-B-E-Y. Um, yeah, that's where you And we'll make me. sure and link all of that, <laughs> all too. All the things that I share. Yeah, and in your programs for designers, do you um, generally – is it mostly creative design or do you also talk about the entrepreneurship side of things? I kind of cover it all. I feel like a lot of my um, educational resources for designers, they're very focused on building a process and learning how to work with clients. Because even though I went to school for design and got like a four-year degree, they don't teach you anything about working with clients. Um, Maybe that's changed now that freelancing is more popular, but like learning like what to put in a contract how to set up a process like what your project timeline should be how to ask for feedback like how to present things none of that stuff is really taught to us at all and it's so important I mean it's gonna make or break a project and (laughs) either make your client really happy or really disappointed so it's very important stuff and that's what pretty much all of my educational resources I have presentation templates and a course um so yeah that's kind of what I focus on teaching designers the stuff that they don't teach you in school (laughs) as far as how to work with clients and and be a successful freelancer or um or business owner Yeah. yeah I love it. Well, you're the best. Thank you so much for being here. I know this was like so value packed and everyone's going to be so excited to hear from you. Um, Not to mention just following you on Instagram and we'll link everything in our show notes, but you also have a super cool workshop and always looking and coming out with different options for to be to have education from you along the way too on the design side. But I think it's really cool that you have been able to build something that has two sides with a really small, lean and thoughtful team and just want to show everybody out there like it's totally possible like your whole job doesn't have to become I'm a boss you still get to be creative along the way so yeah thanks so much Abby you're the best and don't forget to go and follow all of her stuff (laughs) thank you so much you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.